When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Appreciate you being here however you got here. If it's your first time, uh, think about hitting that subscribe button. You can find us at all the major podcast hotspots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Wherever you're listening from right now, I'm sure there is a subscribe button. So go ahead and hit it, and we'll send you brand new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday so you can keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today is going to be a very special episode. Uh, a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I think, uh, we started a brand new series on the uh, Consequence of Sound Instagram page, Kyle Meredith Live. It's uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. It airs at 3 p.m. Eastern. And what we do is talk about really big subjects, global issues, hot button topics, but how they relate to the music world, what they mean for an artist's work and how they affect everything that we're doing within this industry. Um, the first two episodes were with uh, Billy Hardison, a, a friend of mine who owns a music venue, an independent music venue here in Louisville, Kentucky. He's also part of the NEVA Association, which stands for the National Independent Venue Association. Uh, maybe you've heard of the website SaveOurStages.com because there is a study that's out that says 90% of independent music venues may not reopen because of the pandemic, uh, which you're thinking, okay, so some venues aren't going to be around, but the trickle down is just, is it, it just really kind of takes down the entire music industry in a way. An artist gets 75% of their income 
from touring. If there are no venues to tour, they cannot get income at all. As I'm sure you know, you, you don't make a lot of money off streaming or, or even uh, really off your merch sales in the same way, especially if you can't sell your merch uh, at a show. So if an artist can't tour, an artist can't be an artist. That's what it comes down to. So I talked to Billy about that. And then later on in that same week, I gave a call to my friend Tyler Williams and got him on this series. Tyler is the drummer for the head and the heart. So I wanted to get both takes from the uh, venue side of things, but also what this means actually as an artist, uh, not just the touring, but in, in fact, I talked to Tyler about what it's like to try to run a band as a business now that we've been in this pandemic, uh, what it means for any band's future, specifically, of course, what it means for the head and the hearts. So that's the setup. Other than that, let, let's get into this because uh, the, the interviews will take care of themselves. But I urge you as you're listening, check out saveourstages.com. Uh, even if you're just uh, signing a petition or whatever, you can be a part of it. You can you can help save music as we know it. So without further ado, we're actually going to start with the uh, the head and heart side of things. It's Kyle Meredith with Tyler Williams. How you doing? Thanks for having me back. So Tyler and I are going to be talking about the business of being in a band. So once again, uh, the head and the heart. Now, the, the thing is, you know, so many bands right now are trying to figure out how to release music, whether it's an album that they had planned on releasing. Uh, the question has right. been, do I delay it? You know, do I go ahead and put it out just digitally? Because... I think what a lot of fans haven't realized is the delays aren't just because they're going, I don't know what to do right now. It's because they can't actually physically press the album that they planned on pressing. The pressing plants have been closed down yeah. like everything else in the world. Um, the head and the heart, I, as I've used the, uh, the, this word in our pilot episode too, I think you all have the luxury right now of, of not being on an actual album cycle proper as you were last year right i mean you guys are this is it's yeah. not an off year but i'll let you go ahead and explain yeah so you know we released living mirage last year and that was i guess that was man over a year ago now it seems time has flown um but you know you you come out with a record you tour on it you do everything you can to um get people to listen to this work that you've just spent two years of your life on right um and that continues for probably, you know, we usually do around a year and a half or two years for every record touring um, and just bringing it to fans every night. So this year was going to be, I guess, kind of the victory lap, you would say, you know, like playing some of the larger rooms. Uh, we had Margaret Price as support with us. That was going to be incredible. We were so looking forward to that. So it's just the, it's a huge bummer to have to cancel this entire year and, um, you know, hopefully we can make it up next year. Right. I want to quickly jump in there. Someone asked about the, uh, the Neva thing that we were saying, saveourstages.org is the website uh, to go to the venues. Because that's, that's sort of the other part of this equation is even when you guys turn around and get back on the road, what's going to be there? Uh, I mean, is that, is, is that part of the actual conversation you guys are having at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I feel... I feel like um, for developing bands, it, it's even harder, you know, like um, for bands who maybe just put out their debut record. Um, what if they come back and 90% of the venues have shut down? Um, all these press outlets are laying off people, you know, um, that is super frustrating to see because those are the people who are contextualizing music for fans out there, for listeners who can come in and find their new favorite band or their new favorite artist. So where's that going to happen now? And um, it's, it's a scary time, especially if you're a developing band. I think our conversations are really 
kind of going towards, um, you know, lack of guarantees. So how do you create budgets around what you're doing and how do you uh, secure, you know, your crew or um, your bus or whatever it is that you're doing um, in a, in a financially sound way. So it's really difficult um, to kind of create a plan. Honestly, yeah. it's, it's one day at a time. So. Cause uh, that's the other part of it. If you are uh, a successful band as the head and the heart is, you're not just talking about a few band members here. There's actually the team that supports it. I mean, uh, you guys are, uh, you're on the bus stage of your career. Uh, you know, you can, you can take it out. So you're talking drivers and, and everything else out there. How big is the head and the hearts uh, company? Yeah, I guess on the road, we, we do two buses and a semi. Um, and we have uh, quite a few crew members, probably around 10 on the road with us. And then uh, we also have, you know, management, we have our agents, we have uh, business management. Um, and, it, you know, at, at a certain point, we really do feel responsible for um, some of their livelihood and making sure that their families are taken care of. You know, that's a big, um, that's something that we shoulder a lot. And it's, it's definitely something we think about when we um, put out music or when we create plans. You know, it's, it, we're all family on this side of the equation. Um, and it, it isn't just us making it happen. You know, we have so many other people who support us and who uh, we really care about. So this is doubly hard, you know, for, for them. And we're doing everything we can to try to uh, mitigate the damage, really. Right. And, and, and you know, to go on to the business, uh, keep going on the business part of that, too. Um, the road is so important. The road is so important to every band. How much of your all's, I mean, your budget, I don't know if that's what I'm asking here, but, you know, how much of your money comes from the road? Yeah, I mean, it's probably like 75%. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's definitely a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big portion. Um, you know, I think, uh, hopefully, some of this live stream stuff and doing these shows from home actually will be another way that bands can kind of um, come out of this. And hopefully that support from fans wanting to see a show at their house, mm -hmm. you know, like maybe they have a couple drinks and some dinner in front of TV watching us play you know i think that would be an incredible uh result to come out of this and hopefully that's a silver lining you know just like another revenue source for bands and for artists so they don't have to spend their entire lives on the road um and they can be with their families a little bit more and 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 you know i think mental health is a big issue right now that we're dealing with in the pandemic you know people being so isolated but i think it happens a lot on the road too um to musicians that isn't often discussed. Um, you know, we've dealt with it in our band and it's, it's so tough to um, find your way out of that. So hopefully right. maybe there's a more, a healthier work-life balance that comes out of this, you know? Yeah, uh, let, let's go there a little bit more too, because uh, I, we're starting to hear that more. It, it's become um, less taboo, I guess, for artists to talk about because for a long time, for a lot of decades, you wanted to project that you were a rock star. I, I say you in the broad sense, you know, with the capital Y, obviously, uh, you know, and, and, and it wasn't talked about, but it's so easy to turn to alcohol every single night. It's so easy to turn to everything beyond alcohol. If you do end up down that road and everything, uh, as you said, yeah. you, you all have dealt with it. Um, um, you know, what, what has that meant for you all? And, and I, if we can, if we can be Frank, I mean, we, we were talking a little bit about Josiah. He used to be in the band a long time ago. He's being very open with his conversations out there. He's doing a, you know, on his solo uh, career now. But what have those conversations been like uh, as part of mental health and what you could do? Yeah, it's, you know, it was, 
it was funny to see that situation take hold because it really is the first time in my life I've witnessed that firsthand, you know, the sort of uh, devolving into a second life, you know, and, and, and the, the hiding of behavior. Um, it's really difficult, especially when you're on the road and you have to put on a brave face every night and um, try to go out there and crush it and make people happy who, you know, that's kind of your whole job is, is, you know, creating something that these people can resonate with. So how do you do that when you don't feel complete as a person um, and your friend who you love and care about is so obviously suffering um, from addiction. So it's been really hard. You know, we, uh, it kind of blew up our whole band, you know, the writing situation. Um, we've had to fight and claw our way to, um, you know, connection as a unit again. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, mental health on the road is, if you don't have it, it is going to, uh, you know, wreak havoc on the ones that you care about and the ones that you love. So, uh, peace of mind and trying to stay sane is all you have. <laughs> right, right. Well, it does seem like you guys have came out of the other end on that one, which is important. You know, that, that one to point out that you actually took that moment to, to kind of, you know, grasp that again, to get, you know, put everything back on track. I, I, don't, I think you and I talked a lot about that uh, on, on our last album interview as well, because I know that was sort of part of the, uh, the album that you guys were going into. Um, sure. A little bit more about Tyler, too. And if you've just joined us, I'm talking with Tyler Williams of The Head and the Heart. I also want to point out, I said a website wrong earlier, saveourstages.com, uh, I believe it, it, it is. And that's uh, the National Independent Venue Association. If you want to help, just search NIVA, N-I-V-A, Save Our Stages. That's, again, with the independent venues really having a hard time right now, that's how you can be a part of it. You're also responsible for other artists. It, it's, it's not just one thing that you're, you're part of this Head and the Heart family. But you have been part of uh, getting Lucy Dacus out into the world and, and signed right now. You're working with uh, Illiterate Light. Uh, as, so when, what capacity do you work with these bands? I mean, do you call yourself a manager? Is this just sort of a helping hand? <laughs> yeah, I, I, guess, I guess manager is a good term. Um, friends, um, support, shoulder <laughs> to cry on. You know, it's, it's interesting being from my background of, uh, you know, coming up in the music industry with my own band and then being able to kind of foster um, these artists along and hopefully contribute something, you know, helpful to their career. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's Lucy was my first client out of Richmond and I didn't know if I wanted to start a record label or, you know, how I would actually help my friends um, kind of find an audience in the music industry. Uh, and she was just incredible and was already on, well on her way. So um, it wasn't it wasn't like a giant leap for me to, to come in and, and guide her a little bit. But she obviously knows exactly what she's doing. And she's such a singular talent, um, very observant. So I have nothing but love for her. And um, working with the Matador crew, uh, that label is so storied and just an incredible history of putting out great music. Um, so, yeah, it, that was... That was such a great experience to have as my first uh, artist. Yeah. So, so here you are, you know, 
launching another band. And again, is it the same sort of story of what you're doing with Illiterate Light as versus uh, what you're doing with the Head and the Heart right now? Because because the Head and the Heart, you know, you're, so you guys are in the recording phase, you're in the downtime phase right now, but that's not the case with, with Illiterate Light. No, it's, you know, it's difficult. Um, like I was discussing about developing bands, you know, like how do they go out and tour? How do they promote their music and how do they um, connect with their audience? So uh, that was difficult because they were coming off a headline tour that was very successful and it felt like there was this, uh, you know, building momentum behind them, which is always such a great feeling. It's like one of the most exciting and, and fun times, I think, in a band's career. Um, so, yeah, it was difficult. We had to kind of just shut everything down. And um, I think what they've, you know, really focused in on is um, how do we keep creating and how do we uh you know how do we keep those creative juices flowing so that when this is all over we have just like so much great music to come so that's their focus right now and they're in richmond virginia um uh bunkered away at a studio called montrose um who are good friends adrian and uh alex run um so they're just in creation mode and i think you know that's what a lot of bands are doing how do they how do we make the most of this time stay sane and um you know hopefully feel inspired because i think that that's what this moment has done for for the head and the heart really yeah and you're you know as far as inspiration goes you all are very vocal about your 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 stance on things on on the web and i talk about you know twitter facebook all of that um in these movements that we're in uh black Lives matters we're, we're in pride month you know you all have never shied away from from talking about you know what you stand behind has as you're in writing mode, and I want to get more specifically to these movements too. Uh, but as you're in writing mode, have you found that these moments are being reflected in the songs that you're writing at all? I mean, I think it would be hard to not have them influence our writing. You know, I think that's, I think our the music that we put out is so focused on the human experience, and and um, you know, there's a lot of discussion of human rights and how we pro progress as, as people. And how do we kind of open up the the community? So it would be really weird if it didn't find its way in. We're still very early stages in our writing and, and recording process here, but uh, we talk every day now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we talk about these deep, these deep issues that are affecting the country um, way more so than we have in the past. And I think it's kind of amazing that the pandemic, you know, it's obviously not the greatest thing in the world, but there is a silver lining where we've all kind of slowed down and maybe have more time to approach these conversations from a, uh, maybe a more thoughtful perspective. Right. And that, so let's, let's start then with, um, you know, how do you, and, and to be blunt, how do you as a white band talk about black lives matter, black lives matter and, and the movement that's happening out there? Because that's been part of your all's personal conversations, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Charity's been really involved in the Seattle organization and, and bringing support that way. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because I think our fans and, and our audience, they believe in justice and human rights and love and freedom. So for us, it's not a giant leap to, to bring that up to um, our listeners. Uh, but the way we talk about it, you know, obviously we don't have the answers. We're not... Um, 
authorities on this. We are students and we're trying to find um, the best education that we can. Reading books, um, Kendi is obviously an amazing author and I've just picked up two of his books and I am looking forward to checking those out. So it's like, how do we educate ourselves, further the conversation, but not take over or take any bandwidth up because it's not our place to, um, to try to be leaders of, of a movement, but we want to spark a conversation within our audience um, and hopefully get people thinking uh, more deeply about these issues. Yeah. Now, now beyond, you know, hitting the like button, your, your audience hitting the like button. Have you seen that conversation kind of erupting? Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's hard not to try to step in and, and um, move it in the direction that you want to see it go in or, um, you know, everyone has their perspective. And I think that we have our perspective and all we can do is, is put that out there in the world, you know, and if that helps the conversation, if that changes minds, if that moves um, humanity forward, then that's all we're trying to do, you know. I appreciate that. So what does that mean then for the upcoming election? I mean, uh, you all have played rallies in the past, right? Yeah, we did um, two rallies for Obama in 2012. And um, I mean, that was obviously a highlight of <laughs> my life. Um, I, I'm a large supporter of, of his, uh, his vulnerability as a person and his openness. And um, I don't know, I, I it's, I miss him as a president um, and uh, he was an amazing person to have a conversation with. So um, yeah, it was, that was epic. <laughs> yeah. No, do, do you, do you think you can be I, like, obviously it's going to be different. The rallies are going to be different. We don't even know if there will be rallies at that point. Um, Biden right. being the vice president to Obama, now the front runner for the democratic party. Uh, I mean, how do you all see Joe Biden and, and Joe Biden? And do you have a hopeful pick for, uh, for his VP? Yeah, I think the, the vice president pick is so important. You know, it's such a moment right now that if if he gets it right, it could be such an explosion of goodwill and love. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think it needs to be someone like Stacey Abrams or Kamala Harris. And um, if it's Elizabeth Warren, that's amazing, too. I think she'd be an incredible president. Um, but I really would love a, a woman or a woman of color to be the VP pick. I think it's it's definitely important right now. Uh, but again, like there are so many issues that like <laughs> we can't gamble on, you know, right. I, I, I just even climate change solutions, the environment, the dismantling of the EPA that's happening right now, women's reproductive rights. How do we gamble four more years of right. having that torn down? So that's my perspective on it. And I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all shapes out. So that's that's one of the things I feel like where the live streams really do play a big role if a band chooses to use it uh, in, in this kind of sense. Again, because if rallies aren't happening, um, you know, the digital version of those rallies and we've seen a little bit of that um, kind of I remember Jim James was a part of uh, I think that was the Bur well, Bernie put together a big one, a big digital rally that happened on that one. So I know Jim was a part of that, which a bunch of uh, others as well. But. But that seems to be one of the easiest ways for a band to get in and, and, and do their support right now. Because as we were talking about the, uh, the live streams earlier, that's a nice stopgap. But it doesn't seem like you can really do – you can't tour consistently throwing <laughs> money in that way. But, but could you all see yourself using it in, in this way? Yeah, I think that's the beauty of the live stream in the digital world that we live in is, like, what can't we do? You know, I think the opportunities are endless. And – I think we're just starting to figure out how we can uh, create that um, and create our own experience from our band's perspective, you know, 
how do we make it feel like us and not just some template of of a thing so um we're definitely working on that right now and i i love your idea of you know digital support digital political rallies but we'll see what happens you know yeah you, you can take my compensation and uh donate it <laughs> to the cause that's uh, that's fine uh, <laughs> again, as we wrap up here, I do want to encourage you, if anybody has a question, you can throw it in here as well. I'll read something that comes through. I haven't pre-read this, by the way. I've noticed that there are more Record Store Day releases this year. Is this a way for artists to release some music during the pandemic or just a coincidence? So I can't really speak on Record yeah, Store I, Day myself, but for you. I feel like Record Store Day is just getting more and more packed every year. Um, but especially this year, you know, I, obviously people probably have a lot of stuff that they're working on or um, feel the need to get out into the world right now because there are a lot of things to, to say and a lot of things to talk about. But it's also about keeping the conversation going around your band. You know, it's like I think there's a lot of people who I mean, personally, you know, it's it's scary to feel like you're not going to be out on the road um, seeing your listeners every night and see and connecting with people every night. So. I know it's 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 a worry for a lot of artists just to to be out of the conversation, you know. Yeah, and I know, especially the record stores. I'll, I'll bring that up. They seem to be uh, the ones that are able to arrive to some kind of answer very quickly on how to, like a uh, you know a couple of hours here in town in Louisville, uh, they're opening but under strict guidelines and everything. Whereas the venues, yeah. again, as we've talked about, you know, they're. They, they were, as they say, they were the first ones to have to close. They're going to be the last ones to have to open. But it seems like the record stores yes. are at least kind of figuring that out. And, man, they could totally use the support right now as well. So, For sure. Get out there. Buy some records. <laughs> right. Get out there and buy some records. Get the mask on. Get the face covering on, of course. <laughs> Did you see Bruce Springsteen's comments? What did he say? Uh, he's doing his radio show, his serious radio show. And, uh, and you know, Bruce... Uh, for as passionate as he is, is apparently not one to swear very often. And he ends this beautiful setup, like a minute, 20 seconds. And he speaks directly to Trump. And he says, Trump put on a fucking mask. Springsteen <laughs> <laughs> so, for president. <laughs> that's, no one's going to complain. Uh, Tyler yeah. Williams with the Head and the Hearts. Uh, I want to thank you for doing this. Uh, is, is there anything you guys got going up? Like, we should, I mean, you're, you're working on the record. Is there anything else we should be looking towards right now, uh, towards on your socials that we'll see? Yeah, um, we're actually, you know, I, I can probably announce this right now and, and make it official, but we're actually releasing a deluxe edition of Living Mirage with four uh, unreleased songs. So that's going to be coming out here in a couple of weeks, which we're stoked about. Um, and we've teamed up with an amazing uh, black artist out of Seattle, Anthony White, um, for a, a limited edition merch item and all proceeds will go to Black Lives Matter Seattle. So um, I think that that's something that we're very focused on. Um, again, going back to that issue, it's like, how do we hire more black artists? How do we um, hire more black crew members? Whatever it may be, you know, how do we um, center those people in our world, you know, where maybe it hasn't been so much uh, of a thought in the past and we, that's embarrassing honestly to say that but we need to change that so you're doing it though you know it, it, it if it didn't happen it, it's not like you're never doing it you know you're taking the correct you're making the correction i think that's what i'm trying to say so that's yes uh yes. you guys are always i respect the hell out of all of you all and love the hell out of all of you all and and love what you're doing out there so uh so thank you're you welcome. yeah Tyler Williams. Yeah, no problem. The head and the heart. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, and I should also point a, uh, a shout out to my wife, Jen, 
who is uh, who's keeping track of all of you all talking right now and uh, and sending those over as well. So thanks the team. I love it. All right, Tyler, thank you so thanks, much guys. again. See you guys. Thanks everybody for tuning Appreciate in. It. Tyler Williams of the Head and the Heart. That was the uh, the second episode of Kyle Meredith Live on the Consequence of Sound Instagram. Again, 3 p.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, for that series there. Now I want to play the uh, the first episode, as I mentioned at the intro of this, Billy Hardison. He is the uh, one of the owners of Headliners Music Hall here in Louisville. He's also one of the co-owners of Production Simple, also here in Louisville. And uh, again, he is uh, one, he's part of the Neva Association. So uh, part two, here's Kyle Meredith with Billy Hardison. Thank you for doing this. I'll also mention, by the way, that of the many fantastic independent music venues out there, uh, one of them that Billy does run, Headliners Music Hall here in Louisville, was also the basis for my, uh, my, my wedding reception. So thanks for that mine, as well. Mine as well, actually. <laughs> prior to us uh, buying it way back when, Tina and I had our wedding party there as well. Yeah, it's just and, and that goes to show beyond, you know, even the music, what these rooms have meant to us. Now, Billy, I'm going to let you do some more of your introduction. I've said that you are the uh, the owner of Headliners Music Hall. You're also uh, one of the owners of Production Simple uh, here in Louisville um, and part of the National Independent Venue Association called NEVA. Tell me a little bit about what NEVA is, because this was created specifically after the pandemic started. Is that right? Or Right. Uh, it's about a two-month-old organization with about 2,000 members of independent promoters and venues. Um, and a lot of us are promoters slash venue owners, and some of us are just promoters. Um, it was in response to the mandated closures uh, by the states, um, although we all uh, voluntarily did it anyways. Um, we see the <clears throat> you know, we see the science and we know this is long term and we quickly acted um, behind the leadership of Dana Frank and Gary Witt and, and some others that uh, put this together. That originally, it, it actually, the platform was through a town hall um, with Independent Venue Week with uh, Marauder Group. And uh, it started with a, a, a Zoom call and it quickly grew into this um, 501c6 trade organization and out of that committees uh, sprang up to organize I mean we're all independents we're all very capable um, but we don't necessarily agree on anything that's why we're independents um, and it's amazing that we we're able to pull this together so quickly uh, I sit on the lobbying committee um, and leadership in the house and senate are are key to getting legislation passed. Um, so Mitch McConnell was uh, important in that discussion. But um, my job as the Kentucky precinct captain is to communicate with uh, independent venues that are NEVA members in Kentucky to um, garner support from all of our reps and senators uh, from across the state. So that's what you're doing daily here. Now, uh, again, we've got the venues obviously closed. Uh, some of them have talked about doing, you know, like half capacity or something like that. But what exactly are you petitioning these uh, these Congress people for? Well, I, you know, I, I'm liking I like the phrase 100 percent vaccinated capacity. Ultimately, um, people are going to do what they've got to do to to cash flow and are going to take the opportunities presented them. But but the thing is, you know, rent and insurance, all those things aren't um, to scale to whatever your capacity is. So if 
you're allowed to open up at 33%, that doesn't mean that your mortgage is only gonna be 33%. So it's not a sustainable model across the long term. And because we're in such a high risk business, uh, mass gatherings and interstate travel, I mean, if you think about it, uh, artists travel in coffins on wheels, basically. It's a way they're, to put it. <laughs> they're, dra they're dragging that virus from state to state. Um, and until the whole circuit across the country can open up and all the venues can open up at full capacity, uh, it's not a sustainable model for us, nor do we think it's safe for our customers and fans and the artists and our staff. Um, now, again, many of us are gonna do what we can to try to survive, but what we're asking Congress is, we don't need more loans, we don't need more debt. Uh, we're asking that, that we potentially have to put ourselves on ice for you know until the end of 2021, depending on the next wave. And we need life support to get there. Um, we're in a unique industry to where not only are we at zero revenue, we are at negative revenue as uh, we still have ongoing expenses. We had bills prior to this. And every time a tour cancels, we're having to refund tickets. So just this, it's not, and on top of that, you know, the owners of these businesses, um, we don't have any livelihoods for our own family. Right. So the, we're asking Congress again, not for, uh, more loans. The PPP was not structured for us. Those are for businesses that are still largely open. Uh, even at the new revised 6040, uh, we can't really bring these employees on because we don't have anything for them to do. So we're asking for not a handout because we're not ones to ask for help. Uh, independent venues just and promoters just don't do that. We're asking for a hand up um, just to put us on ice until we can get back to full capacity and and bring this uh, industry back full force. Now, do you know what that number ultimately looks like? Because again, we're talking potentially for the rest of this calendar year. And, and, and this is what, 2,000 venues is more or less what we're talking about, I think I saw? It's 2,000 venues and promoters all across the country in every state. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the, and when you have major markets that are um, affected with high infection rates, and you have to pull, say, New York or Denver out of the loop or Minneapolis, uh, the tour just basically crumbles around it. And, you know, I, I like to compare it to, you know, some of these states may open up fully and there, there could be some form of treatment, but um, tours take a while to build and this isn't just going to happen overnight. I like to compare it to, let's say that Andy said I could open up my steakhouse uh, at 100% capacity. Well, I don't have any steaks to sell. So, you know, there's my there's my restaurant, all the tables, but my my chefs in the kitchen don't have any steaks to cook. By, by the way, really quick there for all the people not in Kentucky, that's uh, he's referring to Andy Bashir, the uh, the governor here in Kentucky. So it's <laughs> with, we're all with, on a first name basis with because we talk to the TV every day. But go with, with that said, we're you know, uh, I think Andy's doing a great job. And again, I, I'm on the side of science here. I feel like we're gonna have spikes in the fall. Uh, there's a lot of hesitancy to open it all. Not every state's the same way, um, but I agree with what Andy's doing here. And most of our industry feels the same way that this is going to be a, a long-term um, chill out for us. And, and, and when we come out the other side of it, we'd like to be here to, to preserve this ecosystem uh, for the, and you know, the artists are out of work too. 
Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, we are 75% of their revenue. The live industry is basically how these artists make a living. And if we're not there, uh, it's going to take a long time for this ecosystem to build back up. Yeah, there is a there, there is a quote that really stuck out to me. And, and, and I've in my mind been attributing it to Maggie Rogers, who said it. And I, I haven't checked myself to see if that's true. But but there was a quote anyway that said uh, the majority of musicians who did this as a full time job will not be doing this as a full time job by the time this year is over. And like you said, 75 percent of artists income comes from the, the li their live streams. Again, what we're talking about here is 2,000 independent venues across the country. And the survey that, that I think you all were a part of, 90% of them could close due to the pandemic. 90% of 2,000. I didn't do the math on that, but I know that's most of 2,000 right there. And, and, that, and that's within six months of the pandemic starting. That was a survey of our members, and 90% said that, we cannot hang on longer than six months. And now we're three months in and the close, closures are starting. Uh, Barracuda in Austin, Rebar in Seattle, where Nirvana did its, you know, did their album release for Nevermind. Um, you know, the, it, the numbers are, are going to grow exponentially over the next month. So like nobody is really um, immune to this either. You, you mentioned Austin. We, we, we think about Austin as a city that really takes care of their music industry. Uh, I can, you know, we, we hear about Canada where there's actually government funding that does go into the music industry here. Uh, I don't know if you can speak to Canada if, if they're looking at this the same way and, and especially with a city like Austin. Are there cities out there that have already stepped up to try to invest? Uh, because again, obviously we know that this isn't just a music related thing. This is everybody, 8 billion people in the world and every business in the world affected. So, but are there pockets like that that are being able to to rise to the occasion at all? Well, and that's actually uh, where the lobbying committee and there's also a local committee um, with NEVA is working really hard to work with city governments um, and, and state governments to find funding to help. Um, actually, there was uh, just yesterday a proposal uh, put forward to uh, the Metro Council here in Louisville by uh, Louisville Forward um, to... Uh, grant money to small businesses here in Louisville through the CRF, which was how money flowed from the CARES Act to the states into the cities. Um, but but it's you know these legislations have been passed so quickly, and this and this money that the the federal government's trying to get into the hands of the people that need it, you know, the speed is is creating um, some confusion. So accessing the funds are hard, and you know the intentions are, are good, but actually getting our hands on this money is is proven difficult. But every day that goes by, uh, even the cities are starting to find ways to help out their businesses. Um, it's just that you know the clock is ticking. Um, Seattle has found a way through Wanma and and um, Memphis. There was actually some money uh, doled out to uh, ten venues, and again Louisville. Um, working really hard with Metro Council. And, you know, I, I've got to give a shout out to Brandon Cohn and, and Pat Mulvihill and, and um, Mary Ellen Wiederwall and Rebecca Fleischaker and, and the council and the mayor's office in general has, has been helpful. And, um, and we know that they have their hands full right now and trying to work these parallel paths. Um, I know it's tough and uh, so it's greatly appreciated. So yes, yes, there, there are efforts being made. Um, these things take time, take a lot of work, you know, and, you know, it's, it's not in your, 
touch your money till it's in the bank. So uh, I, I know across the country, all these venues are working hard with their local governments to find ways to, to get this done and get this done quickly. Yeah. So we're talking, uh, if you joined us here in the middle, we're talking with Billy Hardison, uh, a production simple based out of Louisville. He also runs Headliners Music Hall, is an independent music venue. Uh, owner and uh, and is a member of NEVA, the National Independent Venue Association. Now, I point that out again. We've seen the hashtag out there you're using called Save Our Stages, which is what this is all about. And, and, and you are reaching out to people, right? I mean, uh, the public, we can be involved in this. How, how do we do that? Oh, most certainly. If you go to the SaveOurStages.com, um, all the information's there. We've had over 500,000 letters sent to Congress. Uh, we, have, we have been able to... Uh, get some funding through the help of some ticketing companies and uh, others are coming on board to uh, we've hired a lobbyist um, who's been very helpful to uh, help us fight our battle in DC. And, uh, but it, but it, it takes the fans and we have a large collective voice. Uh, you know, music is, is life. And, um, and we know how important music is to the fans and, and the artists are just as helpful. We have lots of artists supporting us. Um, but if you go to saveourstages.com, everything's right there for you uh, to where you can send direct um, messages to your um, senators and Congress people in DC to uh, help push forward this legislation. Right now we're focusing on the Restart Act in the Senate, which is kind of a, some bridge funding until CARES 2 comes out, as we're calling it. Um, and so there's no time like the present for fans. If, if whatever venue it is that you love, uh, it needs that help. And if you just go to saveourstages.com, you're going to be able to um, find the resources to reach your local representative in D.C. Yeah, I want to name some of the artists. Uh, uh, 600 artists plus uh, with uh, social media impressions of 250 million are supporting Neva's request. Uh, that includes, and I'm not going to read all of these, but Billy Joel, Lady Gaga, Gary Clark Jr., the Alabama Shakes, Willie Nelson, the Lumineers, Black Keys, Patti Smith. Uh, the list goes on among this. So it's nice that you're having, um, I mean, I don't know why anybody in the music industry wouldn't be a part of this, by the way, wouldn't be supporting this. Because, you know, the, the most dire question here is, say the worst happens, say this 90% thing happens, that 90% of independent music venues aren't able to reopen. What does that mean in 2021? What does the music industry look like at that point? If, if you can hypothesize, paint that picture. Well, I mean, you know, initially uh, the agencies, and by the way, the agencies are, are, are struggling as well, um, that there are new organizations like NIDO, for instance, which is a uh, independent agency organization. Um, they are in the same boat we are. But they're, they're going to struggle to put together tours. Um, in, in the long term, you do have the bigger, you know, over 80% of our industry is largely Lab Nation and AEG. And um, you're going to have a similar experience. Not to say that the big um, companies don't have a place because they most certainly do. But it's, it's the multiple flavors across our country that make the experiences great for the artists and for the fans. And so initially... The agents won't be able to put together tours because there are too many closures to string together the dates. But on the back side of that, if independents are gone, then then you basically you have just a handful of companies um, owning everything, which you know I don't think necessarily have the experience that the fans and artists are looking for. Um, but I think the biggest issue is going to be the gap. 
drive 600 miles to between shows and make that an affordable tour. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking at, um, at how the tour routes are affected, which is a, a picture you've given me here. And, and what I'm seeing here is, and, and you can explain this further, but with the independent venues in the major cities go, it's just natural that you can't route to the smaller cities in between. Right. Right. Um, it's again, it's, it's, it's just the economics of, of the tour, um, how far they can travel in one night and just physically, you know, I mean, there aren't wormholes to jump from city to city. So right. to get from uh, Atlanta to Minneapolis, you're going to, yes, you're going to pass through Indy, but you also got to go through Louisville and eventually mm. Bloomington and lots of secondary and tertiary markets just to string, string that together to make it affordable to tour because you know, the artists have to look at their bottom line cost too to get on the road and they have to make the economics work just to uh, turn the key to get on the bus in the same way that we have to make the economics work to turn the key to walk in the front door. Right. It's scary. I mean, and, and I don't know even what it's from your point of view. Uh, I, I know you and your wife both sort of work in the uh, in the industry like this. I think in a private call you and I have before this, you said we're not a very diversified family. And I think that goes on, you know, I mean, there are so many people in a similar situation uh, a, a, as you are, you know, I was talking with, uh, with Jim Ward from, um, from Sparta, you know, at the drive-in, uh, he also owns a venue and, and that's what he was saying. He's like, you know, any money that he's, that he was able to get, this was at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, he was giving it straight to his staff so they could pay their rent. And, and the thought come up, he goes, because what's going to happen now? They can't pay. We can't pay. Do they just, you know, do the landlords come in and repossess these venues right away? Do they just sit there dormants? I mean, is there any hope that even if the money doesn't come, that some of these venues will be able to make deals out that says we're, we're, we're frozen. We're, we're pause. Well, I mean, that would be the hope. And I'm sure a lot of landlords are, are, are doing what they can, but of course that's, that's part of their livelihood as well. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we just can't sit indefinitely by and, and, expect a landlord or or wells fargo as far as mortgage not to uh collect on rents um and again i'm going to go back to what i said before that you know operating at a lower capacity you know um the, the thought the thought is to kickstart the economy again by getting something back to work but if you're taking in only one third of your revenue and you're having to pay your full mortgage or rent um th that's going to catch up up and you know these these bills aren't um prorated um, but you know in the go ahead i'm sorry oh it's okay you there. Uh, we're, we're just having another little connection issue but uh i'm actually going to wrap that up um unless you're trying to make a big important point here right at the end uh, no no go ahead okay Billy Hardison, once again, Billy Hardison, Production Simple, Headliners Music Hall here in Louisville, Kentucky. It's NEVA, the National Independent Venue Association, and uh, SaveOurStages.org. That's the site, right? That's right. All right. So I encourage anybody who's uh, watching right now, uh, anybody who watches this once we post it after the live stream, to please check out Save Our Stages. Because if you're a music fan, if you go to Consequence of Sound's website uh, with any consistency, uh, this affects you and, and, and your mental health and your livelihood and what it's going to mean. As everybody says, we, you know, we can't wait to get back out into these rooms. There may not be rooms for you to get to. I mean, I think that's the big point. So it, it's going to take everybody more than just these venues. 
of putting this out there more than just, you know, Billy out here talking to the Congress people. Uh, it takes all of us going to SaveOurStages.org and, and, you know, the various sites. Uh, I, I know Music Cares has got their thing, but really trying to make sure that the people in charge are hearing this because, because the alternative uh, is no good. Unthinkable. Yeah, Unthinkable. it's no good. Billy, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk about this today. I so appreciate it. Thank you, Kyle. That is Billy Hardison. Again, saveourstages.com. That's where you want to head. Uh, if you haven't already done this episode, head over there right now to get some more education about the whole thing and see how you can help. See how you can help save our independent music venues. So a big thanks to listening to this episode. Again, if you want to be a part of the live broadcast, we do them on the Consequence of Sound Instagram page. It's instagram.com slash consequence if you're searching on the web. Or, uh, of course, you know how the app works on your phone and everything. But we do those Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. You can be a part of that conversation. We love to have the comments and the questions as we talk to the uh, as we talk to the guests. I'll also urge you to subscribe to this series if you haven't already done so. Wherever you're listening from right now, this is the podcast version. Obviously, you can find us at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you get your favorite podcast from. Just type in Kyle Meredith with. We'll bring you brand new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. After that, head to WFPK.org. I know it's a lot. You Take notes. Luckily, this isn't live. There's a rewind button. Rewind button, you know, like in the 80s and 90s. WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. That's an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can find me on the social media spots as well. At Kyle Meredith. That's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the other spots. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. I'm Leo Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.